este Yeah 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 Any praise Yeah Shifted Somebody's been taking credit for what God's been doing. Yeah, he's been taking care of us all this time. And, and for some reason, you think it's been you doing something. No, but to God, to God be the glory for all the things, every little thing you number, God did it. God did it. Wasn't that a song? God did it. He did. Don't forget that God God did it. Bless you this morning. Reg T and D, that's, that's, that sounds like a 1980s group. Yeah. <laughs> Reg T and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Praise the Lord for you being here today, and thank you for allowing the Lord to use you in the way that he has gifted you and blessed you, and you want to be used. I know. I believe y'all want to be used in music. And God has blessed that so that you can amplify him to other people. And that's a wonderful thing. So I ask the general question, do you want to be used by God? And if you do, what have you opened up for him to use and amplify? What ability do you have? Giftedness have you been given? that God can be magnified to other folk. Church getting fat up in here today. We got folk all around up in here. I can't hardly see the back pew. Yeah, somebody got up this morning with that song in their mind. I'm glad to be in the service. I'm glad to be in the service one more time. Because uh, he didn't have to let me live. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you. There was a time in my life when I didn't get up with church on my mind. That wasn't my, that wasn't my focus, and now I can't get up with it off my mind. And, and it's amazing to me that sometimes you just got to get there. COVID been standing here with his arms across the front door of the church. Some folk have found a way to get up under, get around, and so good to see Alice Davis in here. 
Seems like I've been seeing Alice Bailey all my life. I have. Yeah, she was my neighbor <laughs> growing up. I used to play ball with her boys and go to school with them. Good to see Brittany in here today. Y'all think I see Brittany all the time, I don't. It was always good to see my baby. Alvin and Destiny and Louise and Daniel just making it a habit now. So glad to see you. Andre, what you waiting on? Sometimes you just want that church feel. I'm not doing anything but what I would do if everybody was sitting in here as opposed to sitting in your living room. I'm just, I'm just talking. The first Sunday in October, I probably would have lost all my salary if I had placed a bet on whether we would be here in March. I lost everything. Nobody would have told me, not that I'm gambling, not that I'm gambling, but no one would have been able to convince me that these many weeks and months later, we would still be in this posture and still going, and still going. I mean, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet. Can I tell you that if the most protected man in the world, if the most protected family in the world can catch COVID, then everybody is vulnerable. If, if the one who got more resources than anybody, and not his resources, no, they use all our tax dollars to take care of them. They use your money to take care of them. It's money you don't even have access to, resources you don't have access to, they use that to take care of them. And if they can be in the hospital now struggling, then you ought to go sit down somewhere. <laughs> hey. You ought to sit down somewhere and know that you're vulnerable. And we got into a place now where we can't believe stuff coming out of the White House. So don't we, we don't know if he's doing well or not. Because they got this fake machismo where they have to act like they're doing well even if they aren't. Yeah, I'm all right if he just say he's sick. Which he did now. He did. He did. Yeah, that ought to be part of the medical advice. The doctor writes you a prescription. You read it, it said, go sit down. Because it's dangerous. But you know what? The Lord led me to a different place this week. We came out of prayer month, prayer emphasis month, and I want to thank everybody who had any leadership role in that. I want to certainly thank Chandra Sparks Splund for her leadership in that respect. I want to thank those who were on Street Talk this past week who did the um, Street Talk edition that was centered on the praise devotional. Everyone who participated in any way in that, thank you. I thought it was dynamic, dynamic. We had Reggie singing. Was that live, Reg, that we were singing? That was pre-recorded. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I, I couldn't tell it was awesome. It was awesome. We had a great time. If you missed it, it's recorded. Go back and check it out. You'll have a great time. But the Lord told me that, you know, we've been talking enough about sad. We need some happy. Anybody in here happy? How about full of joy? How about that? All right. 
Yeah, you know, that's a catch word. Those are cold words in church. If you've been in church any time, you can't talk about happy. Although you can be happy in church, all right? But we want to hear the word joy because we know that the word happy means something has to happen, all right? And you can be joyful in hard times. Yeah, that's one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's just in us to slay joy is part of who we are, but I tell you one thing that is not just a part of who we are that we have to work on, it's not joy, it's being satisfied. And there's a passage of scripture that Paul wrote to the believers of Philippi, Philippians chapter four, verses 10 through 13, you know this passage, it's, it's probably as familiar to you as any you've heard in your walk, in your witness. You might not know the exact quote, but you know the words that Paul said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, Watch this, Paul said, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He said, just to give you some history, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, the one that you go around quoting all the time, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I told you before that understanding the dynamics that are existing when someone is writing a passage gives you a deeper understanding into their state of mind and why that passage of scripture is so important. It would be great if Paul was writing this, sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the mouth roll away. It'd be interesting if he was sitting there doing that, just sitting there swinging his feet on the dock, watching ship come in. But that's not the situation Paul found himself in. In fact, and in truth, if you go study the history of this passage, you'll find that Paul was in prison when he wrote this in prison. He was sitting in a Roman prison when he starts talking about the topic of being content. Come on now. I'd say that that's not a place that most people talk about contentment. I'd say that folk who find themselves in somebody's prison are probably going to be talking about freedom <laughs> first and foremost. They're going to be talking about what they're going to do as soon as they get out first and foremost, but rarely will they strike up a conversation about contentment. But Paul, in his leadership and his maturity, strikes up an intimate conversation about the topic of contentment. He was unable to move about and minister freely like he had been accustomed to. See, because Paul's message was dangerous to the Romans. 
Whenever you are an oppressor, giving folks the notion of freedom is a dangerous thing. You might as well give them a weapon because when you can put hope in folks' hearts, there's nothing the oppressor can do to you. And that's what's wrong in our communities right now. That's why so people walk around in bondage. They don't have chains on, but they're in bondage because not enough of us are giving them hope. Not enough of us are telling them that everything's going to be all right. Not enough of us are telling them that there's a way out of the situation they find themselves in. And you think I'm talking about proselytizing and preaching Jesus to them. While that might be one thing we can do for them, there are some practical things we can do for some folk who are strung out. Some things they can reach and understand every day. In addition to our belief system from church, some of them just need to avail themselves more fully of the educational system they find themselves in. Some of them need to learn how to be parents. And nothing helps that but somebody who is one. No, we need to train folk and teach folk. We already know these things, and yet folks sit around and squirm and complain because nobody's giving them a notion that things can be better. Paul is doing that from jail. Surely without the restrictions of bondage, we can do the same thing if we'll do it. Maybe that's another conversation. Paul was facing the possibility of execution every day. He never knew when they would come and get him. Most people would be anxious, and yet he's writing about being content. It would have been easy for him to become disillusioned under those circumstances, easy for him to lose faith, easy for Paul to lose hope. But instead of being a man of hopelessness at this point in time, it's amazing to me, Alvin, that we find that Paul is instead optimistic. Even though he couldn't change his outward circumstances, watch this now, Paul gives us a key to how you and I can deal with tough circumstances. He couldn't change his outward circumstances, but he could be content inwardly with where he was at that moment. Yeah. Paul could say, I have peace with me right now at this moment. And the joy that I have comes from me right now. He focused on the joy giver. And that helped his whole perspective in life. That coupled with his faith in God put him in a place where he could talk to me and you about being content. Now, I know our situation is much different than Paul's in a lot of respects, although there may be some who are bound physically right now somewhere who have some way of getting this message. And I came to tell you right now that your circumstances, while they may not be able to be changed immediately, do not change your perspective on who's in charge of your life. You and I have all, we've all faced difficult circumstances. Watch this now. The pandemic has brought out things that we never thought we had to deal with. That's a bad thing. Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. 
made you appreciate some things too. It's just a matter of how you look at it. And some folk have been complaining because they've been locked down. Yeah. But those same folk hadn't spent any significant time with their family in a long time. They were passing like ships in the night. They had forgotten how to talk to one another until they were forced to have to do that. They hadn't sat down and had a meal together as a family in a long time. Everything was in the car on the way. And now they're actually cooking again. Stove is actually being used in the house. Yeah, some of them hadn't been able to save money until they didn't have nowhere they could go spend the money. Had to sit at home. It's just a matter of perspective. Some of us have forgotten what it felt like to stop and go for a walk outside. Just walk outside the house until you've been stuck in the house for a week or so and all you want to do is just step outside the house and go for a walk. Watch this. You take this for granted. Some of us didn't even appreciate breathing fresh air until you walked around with the mask on for eight hours. And all you want to do is take that mask off. And then you remember, he's sweet, I know. <laughs> yeah, that breath came to you. That unmasked breath gave you a, a new appreciation for what fresh air feels like. Some of us just want to be able to shake somebody's hand. How, how much do we take that for granted? Just being able to shake somebody's hand, just to have physical contact with someone, to hug someone. Yeah, we've been pondering for months. How are we going to do the Friendly Church song now? COVID stepped in and got his hands out like this. We can't do the Friendly Church song as we have grown accustomed to do it, but I have every faith that we'll do it. Because COVID also became the great equalizer. Some of us had prejudices that COVID came and put in perspective. How do I know this? Because fasks, face masks feet, uh, hide everybody's facial features. And so you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah, you don't know if they're smiling or grimacing. And so you're forced to give everybody the benefit of the doubt because you don't know. They might be crying behind that mask. Yeah. You don't know if they're old or young unless their body tells you. Most of the time you can't tell that either. COVID has done that. Some of us have been struggling just getting along with folks. We took for granted the ability to, to see folk and now we know we struggle because we can't visit folk in the hospital. Folk we love when they're struggling. That's what's come along. Now we don't have the same problems that Paul did but we got different problems. We got issues that we got to deal with. Yeah. And some of us have gotten a new appreciation for toilet tissue. It's stuff you took for granted. Not just toilet tissue, but the kind you like. It makes a difference. When you just got to buy whatever. Come on now. Small things make a difference. And in the middle of all that, we got racial unrest. We got black folk and white folk looking at each other crazy. We got people we work with who, 
who we are surprised, who, who work with us every day, who we bring half our sandwich to sometimes, who we bring a bowl of soup to from time to time, and we give it to them without any hesitation or reservation, and we don't understand why they don't understand that black lives matter. We're dealing with that right now. Make me want to take my soup back from them. How can black lives not matter and you eat my soup every day? And we wonder all that's happening at the same time that COVID is stalking around with his arms out. Not only that, our finances are jacked up because I can't get as many hours as I can. And while my real job, my full-time job takes care of my living, my part-time job took care of my lifestyle and now I can't work my part-time job no more because COVID has jacked me up. And so it feels to me that my lifestyle is completely wrong, even though the Lord still got me on my full-time job. But see, that's a perspective, because we've been working for want and not for need. Yeah, there's a whole lot going on. And then we get out and find out some folk won't even wear a mask. So it's almost like they point a, point a weapon at me every time I walk around them. Make me feel threatened every time I come around them and they don't understand that that is what I feel like. You don't care enough about me to put something over you. And, then, and, and, and the business owners don't understand why we get mad at them because they won't police the folk coming in their businesses. Oh, there's a lot going on. Not the same as Paul, but I've learned y'all to be content. Yeah, I've got an, Paul said, I've got an inner peace. He said, I know you'll go through and have gone through diverse situations. I'm just trying to make it relevant to you this morning. But Paul starts out teaching us how to do that in these troubled times. I think it's educational and informative to us to know. And Paul said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. I'm in prison that now at last your care of me has flourished again. Can I make it plain? Your cash app is working again. All right? There had been a problem with me getting the funds you wanted me to get. For those of you who don't know what cash app is, the Western Union money came through for Paul. Yeah, it's the folk that he had planted the church for, taught to love the Lord, had not been able to send him anything to help the furtherance of his ministry. And Paul says here in verse 10, hey, I finally got that package you sent for me. The student that's at college that's been eating in the cafeteria all the time and is so tired of it. Mama, all I want is some ramen noodles and some Pringles. Can you please send me a box with that in there? The box finally came, Mama. That's what Paul is saying. I know this feeling. See, I couldn't complain at Tuskegee. As long as I had a meal ticket, I could eat. I could eat breakfast if I got up. I could eat lunch if I made it through there. And if I wanted to stop and didn't have a class, I could eat dinner. I couldn't complain that I was hungry, but what I was frustrated about was I couldn't eat what I wanted to eat. I had to eat what they provided for me at the time. It's not about want, it's about what I desire. And because of that, I sometimes felt frustrated. But oh, what a feeling when I got to the dorm and they say, you got a package. And somebody had cared enough 
on this end of my life to come and put a few things together in a little box. Some things that I have been taking for granted. I never knew I could get that much joy from some chocolate chip cookies until that box came and I hadn't eaten any in almost a month. And oh my goodness, what a great feeling. Paul is saying, I know what that joy feels because I've been out here doing what I need to do and y'all haven't been able to help me. But it finally came through. The blockade is over now. He said, and so that now at last your care of me has flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. These words seem so difficult sometimes, but can I, can I make it plain for you? Paul is saying, he's confessing here, he said, I'm rejoicing because I realize that you care about me, and I knew that anyway, and I didn't base your care of me on what you were doing for me. Some people make the mistake of doing that, that if you don't give me something, you don't care about me. And Paul's saying, I knew that wasn't the case. What he's saying is, but I hadn't gotten anything from you in a while. And I know y'all know how hard it is for me out on the road planting these churches and starting these churches. But can I tell you, the church of Philippi loved Paul. They had fellowship with him. The problem was they were a poor church from the beginning. They were a small church from the beginning. They barely had enough to take care of their own day-to-day -day needs. And so here comes something, and y'all are going to be upset when I tell you, tell you this. They faced financial struggles. And by any definition, they would have been in what we call today even extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. But even though they were in extreme poverty, they were willing to, write this word down, sacrifice. Sacrifice to help someone else who was in need. And therein lies the problem. Because too often, we don't want to sacrifice to help somebody else out. And so Paul recognizes that, and that's why Alvin, even sitting in prison, he can write about being overjoyed because I realized that woman's on a fixed income and she still took something out of her money, her monthly allocation, to give me some 700 and something dollars a month. Don't go far at all. And so for you to pull $5 out and send it to me makes a difference. Hard to sacrifice when you only think of yourself as the provider. Watch this now. Instead of you being a conduit for God's blessings, if you're a conduit, that means that things flow through you and to you. And if God is using you, that anything you give out in his word and in his name, God's going to take care of that coming back to you. Oh, 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 let me see if I can make it just a little bit easier for you. When you're doing bad, it's hard to think about helping other folk. Poor folk who don't help other folk can be selfish and not think they're selfish. They can hide behind the excuse of I ain't got nothing. 
truth of the matter is, if you have anything, then you have something that you can share. The question is, will you sacrifice? And that's what Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about they willingly chose to sacrifice to help him. Wealth and contentment are not always partners. Just like wealthy people are not always happy, poor people are not always healthy. And neither of them have to be that way. That's a challenge for us these days because we face tough economic times around here. But in the United States, we're a wealthy country. Once her friend of Britain told her she was from Mexico and had lived in an impoverished area in Mexico and she said emphatically to Brittany, I would rather be poor in the United States any day than poor in Mexico. And some folk think that poor is relative. Can I tell you, there are degrees of poor you don't understand. See, there's some poor in our community without any of the social components that can help you. You can be poor, you can have, look, look you cannot have a job and eat every day. You cannot have a, a, a source of income in our community and have somewhere to live every night. You cannot have any material benefit coming in from a financial standpoint and wear new clothes every day. And if they ain't brand new, they new to you. Why? Because there are degrees of poverty that folk don't understand. And so just being poor is not an excuse for not being helpful. Paul recognizes and teaches us that even when we're in tough spots, we still have an obligation to help other folk. And that's what the church showed him, the church at Philippi. Watch this now. And your character is going to show through in those tough times. Your character is going to show through. Paul wrote this. He said, wherein you are also careful. He said, but you lack opportunity. He said, your come up hadn't come through yet. And because your come up, because what you needed hadn't come through, you couldn't even exercise the love for me that I know you had. But as soon as yours came through, as soon as your crops came through, you thought of me too and sent me a care package. He knew their character. So let me ask you this question. Now, this is hard. Nobody there but you. Look in the mirror. Does your character come through in tough times? Do you hunker down or do you help folk? Have you been hiding behind the excuse that I don't have anything? Or have you been maybe going without something so that someone who has a greater need can benefit? Nobody can answer that question but you. But I challenge you today to explore how you deal with people in circumstances and see if you truly are being helpful. Because let me tell you what happens when you are able to do that. First of all, it means you're faithful. Because you realize that me giving this up is not going to hurt me. Because the Lord is going to take care of me. It's his responsibility anyway. And it also shows, and we get into Paul on this in a minute, 
that you're content with what God has blessed you with. I'm not trying to hoard everything. Some people get all they can, and then they sit on the can. They don't know how to share. They just want to hoard it. They don't know ultimately what they're going to do with it. Maybe they don't even know, know how to deal with what God has blessed them with. But they're not going to share it with anyone. But that's not the church of Philippi. They kept open arms. And when given the opportunity to bless somebody else, they did that. Now, there's some pressing needs that this church has. There's some pressing needs that our community has. We still have an obligation to take care of missions. We still have an obligation to take care of missionaries, people who leave here with nothing and go to foreign fields. But guess what? We got some mission fields right around the street. There's some folk who need to be taken care of right around here who are doing the work of the Lord, who need some support every day. And our job and our mission is still to exalt the Lord and to let other folk know about him. It's hard to tell somebody God loves you when your stomach is empty. So we still have a responsibility to take care of. The need may be different than it was then, but there's still need. And so Paul said, let me talk to you about the grace I've experienced. I know you were waiting for an opportunity to help me. In verse 11, 13, he said, after he explained to them he knew they didn't have the time, I mean the resources immediately to help, but as soon as they got it, they started helping Paul started telling them about how he could have this assurance. And verse 11 says, not that I speak in respect of want. He said, for I've learned in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. Watch this now. And I want you to write this down. Paul was in need, but he wasn't begging. Some people have made a job out of begging. In fact, some people have made it a socially acceptable thing to beg. Open begging is what I call it. There is no shame to their game. Yeah, I thought it was a great thing the first time I saw somebody with a GoFundMe account. I thought it was a great thing. I thought it was great for us to be able to help somebody who had a need, a flourishing need. This child is in need of some surgery. Can't nobody pay for it. Good, we can get some money. Then I saw somebody put a GoFundMe account up for their birthday. And I said, hold on now. And, then I, and, and what was amazing to me was that somebody was giving. All the various things in the world that there's a need to fund, and you mean your birthday is the one? I'm going to say this. I probably shouldn't. It probably get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. Stop pinning money to your chest when it's your birthday to let everybody know it's your birthday. Just open begging. I, I don't understand that. If people want to bless you for your birthday, fine. But we're teaching a whole generation that that's what that means, and that's wrong. That's wrong. My mama would have beat me black and blue if I had ever asked somebody for something during that time. And that's not to say that I went without. The Lord has been faithful to provide for us. He's been taking care of us. He's been loving us. That's what Paul said. 
Sound like I'm saying that I can't have that testimony. But Paul is saying, God's been good to me. And because of that, I've learned to be content when I have something. And I've learned to be all right when I don't have anything because I know he knows what I need. I've had it all at all parts of my life. Paul said, I've had collard greens and caviar. Had chicken and quail. I've had it each way. I know what it is to have something, and I know what it is to have nothing. And in any of those situations, Paul said, I'm all right. I'm content. But he said something important, y'all, and you need to write this down. Contentment is not bought. You can't buy contentment. People go out and buy things all the time thinking it's going to satisfy them and make them happy. People think that a house is going to make them content. Yeah. Luther said it. A house is not a home when there's no one there to hold you tight. And no one there. You can kiss goodnight. Luther said that. Yeah. House does not equal contentment. Money doesn't equal contentment. Particularly when you don't know what to do with your money. Doesn't equal contentment. Can I tell you? Even being in a relationship doesn't bring contentment. Particularly when that relationship has the wrong emotions in it. When there's anger, abuse, these things don't bring contentment. No, it needs to be a healthy relationship. And Paul said, I've learned to be content. Walk with me now. It's not an overnight thing. You have to grow into a feeling of contentment. Grow into it, which means, if you hear me now, Alvin, that means I got to have some, some, some ups and some downs. I got to have some pains and I got to have some smiles too. But I got to learn what it is to be contented. And that learning takes patience. That means it might be years before I get to a place where I can actually have the testimony that Paul had. Some folk want to jump up every day and say, I'm content. While you can see them being not contented. While you can see them restless, they're hollering, I'm content. Because while that might be their greatest desire, greatest desire, you got to learn to go through it. And if you go back and study all that Paul has been through, then you understand the foundation of him being able not to sit on the dock of the bay, but to sit in prison and say, even though I'm sitting here, I've learned to be content with everything. I've had a lot and I've had a little. And I know that God is taking care of me. I've learned that. you got to have strength, Destiny. Strength. Age doesn't make a difference either. You can, be, you can be young and learn how to be content. Based on the trajectory of your life, some young people have had more experiences than some older people. He knew this. He knew the Lord was aware of his situation. He knew that. He also knew that through prayer, patience, perseverance, that the Lord would grow him to the place that he needed to go. And watch this now. Watch this. 
Paul is basically saying, you name it, I faced it. I've been through it. And because of that, I can stand here and say, I'm con content. Can you do the same thing? Can you say that? The reason why, and I'm getting out of here, is because Paul had learned in his life not to put his hope and his faith in material things. No. He knew he needed to have his confidence in a surer, a surer foundation than material things. I don't know about you, but I've moved two times from the house I thought was the best house I had. Yeah, I hope you hear me now. The house I had two times ago, I said, oh, I love this house. This house I love this house. And since then, I've moved twice. So clearly, that was something about that house that didn't make it the best house I ever had. Because here I am now, life comes about and brings circumstances that keeps you moving. You take care of what God gives you and blesses you with. But you don't put your faith in no house. You don't put your faith in a car. You don't put your faith in a job. You put your faith in something that's solid. You don't put your faith in a person other than the person of Christ. Contentment comes through your relationship in him, and that comes through faith. And then that last verse there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of people quote that verse. In fact, they put it on T-shirts and all the time you wear, and most of the time it's taken out of context. Most of the time it does not have the strength of understanding that people utter it with. Watch this. A whole lot of people don't realize that this verse is centered in going through trials. They don't understand that. They think it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, a, a statement they can make that's like abracadabra. Yeah, they think it's an incantation they can utter that gives them protection from everything that life affords you. But that's not what it is. It's not, it's not an incantation. It's a statement of joy to say that I know that Christ has blessed me. And because of him, because of him, I've been through all these things and I've realized through my struggles, through my, through my problems, that there's nothing that this world can throw at me that I can't go through because I can do everything through Christ. And that's because he's given me the strength. When you make this statement, what you're saying is, the Lord's grace is always going to be sufficient for me to endure everything I go through. So watch this now. Watch this. But I can't expect the Lord to give me the strength I need to finish a, a marathon race if I don't go through the training and preparation on the front end. He's not just going to let me show up at a job that I haven't prepared for and give it to me because I'm the best thing in the world. I got to do my part on the front end. Can't expect the Lord to continually fill my bank account when I keep trying to run to every sale in the community and I disregard my finances. In other words, he pays attention to how I deal with his blessing. And so when I'm sitting there with a 200 credit score 
thinking I'm about to get the house of my dreams, and all I do is utter, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on now, you got a physical deficit that is exemplified and amplified by your faith deficit. And it's not until you grow your faith by being a good steward that God can work through you. Can't expect the Lord to work through me as I stand up here every week and preach. If I don't spend the time praying and meditating and studying and trying to get and understanding myself so that I can teach you what he's given me. But I can't expect him to provide the grace I need. When the storms of life come and knock me over, I can expect, I can expect, I can expect like a child expects his mom and daddy to be there. I can expect that in those times that God won't forsake me. I can expect that Jesus is going to walk with me and he, he's going to talk with me. I can expect that somewhere along that pathway, I'm going to have the reassurance that he's going to tell me, Louise, that I'm his own. I can expect that he's going to be my protector. I can expect that when troubles rise, as they surely will, he knows what I'm going through. And because of that, I can be content in my relationship, just like Paul sitting in prison. When troubles rise, I can know he's got me. I can endure. Watch this. Come on now. I can't always avoid. We won't avoid. I can't always avoid. But with him with me, I can endure. And I can tell anybody that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when I know that I've been faithful. So passage of hope is one that reassures me each and every day. It's the kind of, kind of verse that you can get up in the morning with, you can walk through the day with, and you can lay down with saying, Lord, thank you for every single thing you've done for me today. But let me ask you this. Not only is it convincing, it's also convicting. So on a scale of 1 to 10, one being lacking contentment and 10 being fully content. What, you, what is your life for right now? Are you content? Are you struggling? Are you spending all your time chasing dreams that are like clouds? Are you satisfied? Old folk used to sing a simple song. They didn't get too complicated, Miss Bailey. They simply said, I'm satisfied with Jesus. I'm satisfied with Jesus. You didn't have to insert anything else in the line. They didn't need anything else. They just said, Jesus is enough, and I'm satisfied with him. Whatever I need, he's going to take care of me. If he doesn't give it to me, that means I don't need it. Watch this. I don't mind living my life hand to mouth as long as I'm living from my mouth in God's hand. I don't mind. As long as it's God's hand to my mouth, I live hand to mouth all day long. And don't let anybody tell you that it's your hand that's going to feed you every day. It's going to be the Lord. And as long as he gives me this day, 
my daily bread, then I'm all right. Stop trying to figure out your life on paper every day from now to the end. The only paper you need to figure it out on is this paper that the Word is on. And as long as you study that and know what he's blessing you with, you too, like Paul, can be content. But do you know him in that way? That's my question. Do you know him? If you don't know him in that way, if you don't know that Jesus came and lived and died for you, if you don't know that he bled for you, if you don't know that he was content to please his father, and because he was content to please his father, it didn't matter what happened down here on earth. He came to die. That was understood. Cross, hanging, sword, it didn't matter how he was going to die. He came to satisfy the sin debt we have. And guess what he did? It. The question is, did you know it was for you? I wake up in the morning and you can say, he did it for me. He did it for me. And now I need to go out and show him I'm grateful. All day today, I need to show him I'm grateful. In my walk, I need to show him I'm grateful. In my talk, I need to show him I'm grateful. Stop chasing things that don't matter and show him I appreciate what you've done for me. Oh, he loves us. And so if you've never given your life to him, if you've never ever shown him that you are thankful for his sacrificial death, today's the day. Now's the time. Just bow your head and say, Lord, you blessed me with your death. I know it was for me. I know it was your blood that came and rescued me. And now I give my life back to you. Now I offer myself to you, Lord. All I ask is that you keep me each day. And I submit this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.